Rutherford County School Board member Caleb Tidwell with us this morning. Thanks for having me here. Well, it seems like there's always something new going on with the county schools. There's a lot of growth and has been for quite some time, but kind of bring us up to date on one of the biggest issues and that being zoning or rezoning. Yeah, so uh, recently it came out that Murfreesboro was the 16th fastest growing city in the nation, according to Smart Assets. Uh, over the last five years, I think we've grown 19%, so we have tremendous growth. And with that tremendous growth comes some growing pains. Um, and so what we're trying to do is obviously we'd like to build schools each year to better accommodate that growth. Uh, but that just hasn't been the case previously. So what we have in our tool bag uh, at this current moment uh, with the growth that we have and the overcapacity at some of our schools. And I'll just tell you, uh, it's it's been so strong at some of our schools that we've had to shut down enrollment at those schools. So the, the tools that we have are rezoning. Um, and so we've started with that. Uh, we've, it's been a process we've been working on for basically the school board has been looking at it over the past 18 months. Uh, we just had a vote on it on November 14th at a special called meeting and uh, did a rezone that's going to go into place for elementary and high schools. That's going to start 25-26 that fall. And then 26-27 uh, for the middle school rezone. Now, all this information is on our website, uh, rutherfordcountyschools.net, uh, so people can see the lines and where they're at. Now, when this new zone or the new zones go into play, this is going to be after the brand new school on the Beatty Farm property opens up. And of course, that has not even, construction hasn't even started there yet. That is true. Uh, we are planning to break ground on that this this coming year, obviously as early as possible. Uh, so there are some factors that are involved with that. Uh, what, what we kind of looked at was, we had to do something about where we're at and the options for building. We'd bought the land, we'd purchased it. We, we are working or have a design that we have and we're going to plan on breaking ground on that this year. That gives us a year and a half to get that project done. Um, and we're hoping that that's going to be a good outcome for us. We're also hoping that we can build a middle school there. That's why we've delayed the middle school opening until 2627 uh, as far as the rezone. Uh, going to to effect because we're hoping to have a middle school there as well and in part of the main part of this process is we know the murfreesboro is, or rutherford county in general i'm sorry is uh they're, they're getting tired of being rezoned constantly and instead of rezoning pockets here and pockets there and pockets here some of our very high growth areas we're trying to spread out some of that growth in some of the areas that aren't growing as fast so the rezone district wide versus in these pockets kind of allows us to spread it a little bit further. That's not going to solve our long-term problem, which is we're going to have to have schools, and that's what we're working on now. Again, Rutherford County School Board member Caleb Tidwell with us this morning. The school board members, they recently had a retreat where they talked about some of the things that are coming up and some of the issues they've seen over the past 12 months or so. And one of those issues dealt with behavioral issues. First of all, how have the behaviors of students been over the last school year? Well, we definitely know that COVID played a, a factor into some of the behavioral issues that, that kids have experienced over the past several years. Uh, but also, we had to come up with some solutions to be able to make it a better system for our, our children in the classroom. And then also, we were having teachers that probably were making decisions based on the behavioral issues they were having 
uh, you know, maybe we're going to retire. Maybe we're going to go somewhere else. So uh, the board got together, of course, the school district as well, and they uh, came up with a plan uh, to hire some behavioral interventionist. And those individuals are throughout several of our schools. And so we're kind of testing the grounds on that to see what kind of uh, difference that's made. Uh, we got an update on that uh, year over year that behavioral discipline referrals are down year over year. So it is working. Uh, and there's a lot of different aspects to that um, that are creating a positive atmosphere. You've got a job out there for folks who literally intervene when behavior becomes a problem for certain students. I, I'm curious, what does that role entail? Well, I guess an example would be if we had a particular student that was being quite unruly. Um, of course, uh, we, you know, say it was in a particular classroom or whatnot. They have individuals, instead of the teacher having to pull away from the, uh, the rest of the students, these interventionists can come in and kind of help this particular student regain their, con- their control. Uh, now, sometimes if they can, they can be with them in the classroom and be set with them and help them through the classroom, uh, that would be great. Uh, but if they need to take the student out, it's not the teacher leaving the rest of the students, it's the interventionist taking them out, kind of working with them. Uh, we even have a dedicated room at some of our elementary schools, which is where we see surprisingly a lot of our behavioral issues, uh, where they can kind of calm down and kind of reset themselves. So it's it's been something that uh, our feedback from, from principals and the rest of the district has received very positively. Now, is this something that was being done in other states or other other counties? And, and is that how Rutherford County got this idea? Well, there's been there was a lot of talk, there's a lot of brainstorming going on. So we were looking at any and all ideas to see what made uh, the best match for Rutherford County and what showed some results. And these were a few of the ideas that, that came up. Um, and Miss Ralston and Dr. Chastain at uh, Rutherford County. They, they just did a fantastic job at putting this information together, presenting it to the board, and just the results that we've seen since then, as that was such a huge issue back when I was running in 2022, was the behavioral issues. And the results we've seen year over year from it show that we're moving in the right direction. Um, so I'm hoping that that continues as well. So when we look at some of the different behavior patterns of students, are we seeing fighting? Are we seeing you know, class clowns, what, what are you hearing the most about and what are you hearing the least of? So the, I, I think the assumption is always uh, uh, when there's behavior issues, people assume it's fighting, but it's, I think it's more maybe some uh, emotional needs that some of our students have. I mean, we are a very in- inclusive school district. And so uh, those that require a, a little bit more needs or uh, help then. Uh, we try to keep them in the classroom as much as possible. There are some challenges along with that. And so as part of those challenges, we, we want them to be there, we want them to be a part of the classroom, but we can't have the constant disruption. So it's more of, I guess I, to answer your question, more of the, I would say the majority, more the emotional side than it is, or mental health side, I guess you could even say. Uh, than it is the, like a physical violence or anything like that. We're not, of course, we're not seeing that a lot in our elementary schools. So years ago, the big things were, you know, you would either get in-school suspension, out-of-school suspension, or a, a paddling. Um, are those forms of punishment even, uh, I mean, do they offer those forms of punishment anymore? Yeah, on the paddling, I don't think that that is something that we uh, push across the district. Um, and so... 
uh, that's that's really not on the table here locally. But as far as in school suspension, out out of school suspension, yes, those those are things that are that are on the table, and we we use those. We also have alternative schools. Uh, some of the uh, violent behavior fighting. Uh, one of the issues we had last year was that our alternative schools, well, we've had this year uh, for a long time, but um, our alternative schools were filling up. So we got Smyrna West and we got uh, Daniel McKee. There's a certain amount of space granted to middle schools and high schools for those seats in those schools. So if they already have those seats full and they have a big fight or even a couple kids get into a fight and they send them over there, they have to take seats that were already taken and bring those kids back, whether they're finished with the program they started there or not, and fill the new students in those seats. The issue with that is, is you had some, and I talked to several principals about this, you had some um, students that had only been there a week or two. They were supposed to be there, say, 90 days. Uh, and they were already on their way back because there was not enough room. So we made some changes that uh, we felt would be helpful. One, we we pushed for a third alternative school, and we, we did get that. Uh, there's a building that we're looking at doing some renovations on. We've already purchased uh, we've already worked with the tenants there. That's out on South Church Street. So we're going to have a third alternative school that's going to help us with our space. And I know people don't want to probably talk much about alternative schools, but um, in that same aspect, we haven't done anything, increase our capacity at our, our uh, alternative schools, I don't think, in 20 years. And yet, look at the growth that we've had over this 20, almost double the size of our school district in 20 years. That's just not feasible. So having a third alternative school will be really useful in spreading out those seats. I'll touch real quickly on the in-school suspension. So we also changed some of the disciplines on what we did with like vaping. So we wouldn't want a student having a seat for vaping at alternative school when we have kids fighting and they need those seats for that. So we started doing in-school suspension, developed a, a curriculum that we can use to kind of help these kids solve that problem as we know that's a, a growing issue in several districts. One of the uh, problems that we heard about here at the station because we had several calls from parents who were concerned about it and that was I believe at Riverdale High School where somebody was supposedly or I guess several kids were supposedly taking photos of other children. I say children but these are high schoolers we're talking about here sure. but they were taking pictures of them in the bathroom and then sharing those pictures on social media and just trying to embarrass them in different ways. Is that something that is still a problem? No, that's not something that we've heard anything else about. Of course, Miss Blair over there at Riverdale has done a great job at helping Riverdale and, and guiding its direction, steering the ship there. So I think that was clamped down on very quickly. We know high school students are always going to try to find new ways to do new things. But uh, our job is to make sure that when they come up with these ideas, that there is a consequence for those decisions and that they know that they can't be enacted on any further. And, and you know, it all boils down to these are just uh, new forms of bullying in today's times and, and no telling what's going to happen next. But it, it seems like we're always going to have a bully out there no matter you know how much we grow it's it's going to continue to happen there's just going to be new forms of it yeah and you know what i think a lot of that has to do with social media if we could somehow of course we're not gonna be able to do this it's not a district problem but uh if somehow we could have like an age requirement for social media maybe that would help all of our districts across the nation if if you had to be 18 to get on social media just because that fuels so much of the the ideas, the 
uh, the bullying, like you said, the putting down of others or raising up of themselves, all of that, you see that on social media as if that is going to lift up the individuals, but it's just hurting everybody. And I don't think the brain development of young students isn't there yet to understand those consequences long term. But when they're on the other side of that bullying, they understand them. Now, there have been some schools across the state and, uh, you know, across the country that have tried new things like making the students, I don't know if they turn in their phone at the start of each class and pick it up at the end of class, but they've tried different things with getting the phones out of the hands of the students while they're in the classroom. Is that something that has been explored here locally? Yes, we've talked about that. We talked about that last year. So there is uh, some different aspects to it. I mean, really, really restrictive, obviously, in the classroom as far as whether they have to keep them in their backpacks. I mean, that's basically what we're asking them to do is keep it hidden, not in place, not checking it during actual school activity. The breaks in between, I think it kind of more depends on the school. Uh, some of the pushback we got back from parents is uh, the safety issue. If, they, if there were to be a, a lockdown type situation, they'd like to be able to uh, know that their kid has access to their phone so they can they can talk to their kid. I get that. I think we're really trying to balance it out. Uh, but as far as during uh, any kind of education activities, the phone should be put away. And that's policy on that. Again, Caleb Tidwell with us this morning with the Rutherford County Schools. And uh, he is a school board member on the county school board. One of the other things we've heard about is salaries. And here locally compared to, let's say, I don't know, West Tennessee or maybe even East Tennessee, how do the Rutherford County schools uh, match up to the other counties out there when it comes to pay? So we just finished up a salary study this past summer, um, and uh, we're trying to figure out. We use a, a company to get analytics across the state for similarly sized districts. So we wanted to stick with districts that are large scale, close to our size, that have you know similar ideas, and wanted to see how much you know their administration was getting paid, their their teachers, their EAs, their custodians. Try to see where we could be more competitive. Obviously, we know that was a factor factor during the uh, teacher loss issues that were we were struggling with in 2022. And so the outcome of that has been really positive. Uh, we did get that information back and we voted on that uh, earlier this year. And we found out that we weren't as competitive as we would have liked to have been, but we did make those changes so that we did become competitive before the beginning of this fall, this past fall, the beginning of this year. And what that's translated into is it was a 5% raise um, pretty much across the board to our teachers, uh, also our EAs and custodians. Uh, we also went from a block schedule. So there would be like, say, for example, year year eight, uh, you may not get a raise again until year, until year 11. But, you know, when on year 11, you might get uh, five or six percent at that point. But instead of waiting three or four years without any raise, we spread that over the block schedule. So year eight, you're going to get a portion of that. Year nine, you're going to get a portion of that. Year 10, you're going to get a portion of that. And that's just your salary schedule. That doesn't include the the increase that we'll be looking at year after year as well on top of that. So we really re-looked at the whole st- um, structure of salaries and ended up being a, a big bump for our custodians and EAs, which is where we were really struggling as well. Ended up being a bump for our teachers, uh, which we've seen the results of that. My year-over-year teacher employment. So, for example, 
We were a teacher shortage in 2022. We opened the year in August of 2022 with 90 openings. And then in August of this year, we had four openings to start the year. And that's just, I mean, a tremendous difference. We're going to have that many openings and that many people out sick, you know, every day of the week in the school district. And so we looked at them again in September. So September 2022, we had, I think it was 100 uh, openings in that time period, a little bit over that. And then we had 20 openings September of this year, you know, because you have teachers change and retire, moving out. Uh, Either way, tremendous growth in that area. And I think our teachers are feeling that. And I'll just just tie one thing on the back of that as well. Uh, When it came to, obviously, inflation's here, prices are up across the board, uh, and we're all feeling that in our pocketbooks and insurance as well. Uh, So when it came to the increase of the cost of health insurance, we covered that increase 100% this year. And so we've really tried to tie in the benefits and what that has done, what we have seen that do is pull from other local counties to our district. So we know we're much more competitive now. And I know we're pretty much already out of time, but as we close this morning, we have new charter schools coming to this area. And I'm sure the county schools have gotten some questions about that uh, curiosity. But where do you stand with these new charter schools coming in and what kind of questions have been asked of the board? Just people wondering, what does this look like? Yeah, so uh, it's interesting. It would be different for each charter school. They're all looked at individually. So it just kind of depends on what their budget looks like, what's their funding looks like, what the success rate of that charter school has been. Because we're not we're approving them or not approving them based on multiple factors. Uh, but they don't they operate under the umbrella of us uh, if we approve them locally, but they are not really under our control per se. Um, And so there's pros and there's cons. Some of the pros are they cover their own facilities. They pay for their own growth. The students that they may be, um, that may be attending those schools would free up seats in our own schools. These are all helping things with growth. However, uh, we look at each one individually to make sure it's a good fit for Rutherford County. I think so far, one has been approved. No, two have been approved over the past couple of years by the Rutherford County School Board. Uh, one has been approved at the state level. And we'll just look at them as they, they come down the line. I know that the, the state is very interested in those. And I think everyone has to be looked at individually to see whether it's a fit for Rutherford County or not. Again, with us this morning, Rutherford County School Board member Caleb Tidwell of Zone 3. Is there anything we left off that you can think of? Uh, no. Uh, so far, things things are we're trending in the right direction as far as the school district, and we'd love to keep that, that going. Of course, I'll be up for election in 2024, so I'm Caleb Tidwell of Zone 3. And, uh, you know, we would love to have a continued positive trajectory for the school district. I think we're going to get that opportunity. Well, again, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me.